Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org Hello everybody, this is Rabbi Ben Kramer and we are learning today Daf Lamed Zion Daf 37 and one of the things about learning Daf Yomi is that the sugyot don't always end at the end of the Daf and today's Daf is an example of that. We actually pick up at the beginning of uh, the Daf with a discussion uh, sort of in the middle of a discussion that began with the Mishnah on Lamed Vav Bet. Uh, that Mishnah is uh, about heating food on Shabbat. So the idea, uh, just to review from uh, yesterday's daf, is that you're not allowed to cook food on Shabbat. But you can keep your food warm by placing it on a stove, uh, which still uh, contains hot coals. So... You have to address the concern uh, that a person might want on Shabbat to cook the food a little more and then will come to stir up the coals in order to increase the heat to cook the food. Uh, that concern is, uh, in rabbinic parlance, is referred to as Shema Yechateh Perhaps he will stir the coals. So the extent of this concern depends largely on the type of fuel that's being used, as we see in the Mishnah. As the Mishnah says, if your fuel is straw or stubble, then there's not really a concern that perhaps you'll stir up the coals because straw and stubble is such a poor quality fuel that you wouldn't think to stir up the coals because even if you stir them up, it's not really going to increase the heat that much and it's not really going to cook your food. So if you're using straw or stubble as your as your fuel and, and it's sort of burnt down, there's just the, the, the burning embers remaining, you can place your food uh, on the stove um, for Shabbat. However, as the Mishnah says in its second clause, if the wood, uh, if the fuel is wood, which is a good fuel, uh, then you have to sort of move the coals, those burning embers, uh, to one side or cover them up with ash. Uh, because it is a good fuel and therefore you're likely to stir up the coals in order to increase the heat to cook your food a little further on Shabbat, which is uh, forbidden. So the moving the coals to the side or covering them with ash basically seems to function as a reminder not to stoke the coals. So if you're absentmindedly uh, opening the doors of your kira, this uh, this type of stove that they had in Talmudic times, uh, to stir up those coals, and you'll see them all pushed to one side, you'll say, oh, wait a minute, it's uh, it's Shabbat and I can't do this. So so that's the point. The first sugya, which, as I said, uh, begins right after that mission on 36b and continues on to uh, 37 uh, uh, deals uh, with what exactly the Mishnah means by placing food onto the onto the stove onto the kira, because there's there's two ways you can understand that. Either it refers to uh, what's called shehiyah, which is placing the food onto the stove before Shabbat and allowing the food to to sort of stay warm uh, uh, into Shabbat. Or what's called Chazarah, which is uh, where the food has been on since before Shabbat. You take it off on Shabbat and then put it back 
on to the Kira on Shabbat. So those are the two ways you can understand the Mishnah. Is the Mishnah referring to Shehiyah, putting the food on the stove before Shabbat, or on the oven before Shabbat, or Chazarah, putting it back on to the oven during Shabbat? So in trying to uh, determine the answer to this question, the Gemara brings uh, the view of Hananya, which is taught in the Baraita. Baraita is a, a text contemporaneous, uh, more or less, with the Mishnah. And Hananya holds that even if the food is partially cooked, I shouldn't say even there, right? Holds that if the food is partially cooked, one can put it on the kira before Shabbat without even removing the coals. And there's still no concern that one might accidentally or absent-mindedly come to stoke those coals on Shabbat because the food is already edible. So there's no point to stirring up the coals. The person wouldn't do it because the food is already edible. Uh, and so that's Hananya. If the food is even partially cooked, you can put it on the kirah before Shabbat and you don't even have to do what the Mishnah says, right? Even with wood uh, fuel and you don't have to remove those coals because there's no point to stirring it because you don't want to cook your food anymore because it's already... It's already cooked when you put it on the stove. So in trying to figure out how to heat up one's food on Shabbat, you have a number of variables. You have when you can put the food on Shabbat, either before Shabbat or even during Shabbat, uh, what type of fuel you're using, whether you have to remove the coals or not, uh, and the extent to which the food is cooked. So, And all of this revolves around this concern. Uh, that perhaps a person might absentmindedly stir up the coals on Shabbat uh, and therefore come to violate Shabbat by doing something that is prohibited. So the, this whole issue uh, and the discussions that stem from it, it's never really definitively answered. Right, which is something that many people find frustrating. You go through all this back and forth and all of these discussions, and you never really get to the point where it says, here's what you actually do. Right? The Gemara seems content to raise all of these issues and to explore them, and then, and then to sort of move on to the next topic. So that frustration uh, comes uh, from making a genre mistake about, about the Talmud. It comes from assuming that the Talmud is a code of law. Right, And it's not. The Talmud is a book which contains legal discussions, but it's not a code of law. And a lot of people often don't quite seize that because they know uh, that all of the, the laws that exist in our own world sort of trace themselves back to the Talmud, and they assume that, therefore, the Talmud is a code of law, but it's, it's actually not. And if it is, uh, or if you want to argue that it is, it's, it's, it's a hard case to make because it, it doesn't doesn't come to uh, conclusions uh, as often as one would like. For the rabbis of the Talmud, in fact, as we see uh, towards the end of Amud Bet, uh, the law was decided by the local rabbis, right? So so towards the end of, uh, of, of uh, Amud Bet, uh, Rav Ukva says to Rav Ashi that since Rav Ashi lives near uh, uh, the great rabbis Rav and Shmuel, uh, that he should follow their rulings. Whereas he, Rav Ukva, since he doesn't live there, he's going to follow Rabbi Yochanan, right? In other words, that's how it's supposed to work, right? The, the, the Talmud is interested in discussing law, comparing and contrasting traditions about the law, exploring the underpinnings of the law, but it's less interested in actually deciding the law, right? That's left for real rabbis in the real world in your local community. 
in our world, uh, we're obsessed uh, with deciding the law. And while it's true that all of our decisions about the law sort of can trace themselves back to discussions in the Talmud, that's really only because we have decided to use the Talmud that way. Uh, not because that was necessarily the intentions of the redactors of the Talmud. In other words, while it's important for observant Jews to know who we follow, right, the rabbis or Hananya, when it comes to sitting down and studying the sugya, it's not necessarily about determining the law. It's about discussing the possibilities, right? That is, I think, how uh, a more productive way, perhaps, to approach studying a sugya. That it's not about determining the law. It's about discussing and elaborating the possibilities because that is where God as the source of infinite possibilities that is where God is to be found and that is what makes Talmud study uh, for me at least a truly religious endeavor Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page the music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.